Happy New Year and welcome into the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. Hope everyone had a safe and healthy start to 2021. We're done with 2020. It's gone. But 2020 did end on a good note for the University of Wisconsin, especially their football program. Down 14 to nothing in the Dukes Mayo Bowl, the Badgers outscored Wake Forest 42-7 from the second quarter until the final seconds to register a 42-28 victory on Wednesday to cap off a very tumultuous and memorable 2020 football season. That 14-point deficit, the largest deficit Wisconsin has ever overcome to win a bowl game in school history, and the 42 points they scored, that was their highest scoring output for the Badgers in school history for a bowl game. UW did all of this despite being outgained 518 yards to 266 because UW's defense, one of the best units the program has ever had, delivered interceptions on four consecutive second-half drives, returned those four picks a total of 176 yards, and scored 21 points off those miscues. We'll dive into this game and put a bow on the 2020 football season during this Badger Blitz podcast. We'll hear from Mayo Bowl defensive MVP Jack Samborn, Offensive MVP and amateur trophy breaker Graham Mertz. And we'll be joined a little later on by senior long snapper Adam Bay, who finished up his four-year career in the Mayo Bowl. Bay was a big part of Wisconsin's success on punt and field goals. And I'll ask him about the emotional toll this season took on him and his teammates and what his future plans are now that he is hanging up his University of Wisconsin cleats. We're also going to touch on a Wisconsin starter transferring from the football program and Badgers hoops in just a little bit. But we want to focus on the triumph in the Dukes Mail Bowl, which was a fitting end note uh, for a marvelous season for Wisconsin's defense. Uh, it didn't look that way at the start. 14-0 early, the Badgers couldn't stop Wake on third down. They gave up a lot of easy pass completions. A lot of receivers looked like they slipped and were losing their footing on the grass surface in Charlotte. And they just looked lost against the Deeks' up-tempo offense. I joked on Twitter that it looked like the group opted out, but inside linebacker Jack Sanborn said after the game that there was really no panic among himself, the coaches, or his teammates on the sideline, and the final stats prove that. You know, after allowing Wake Forest to record 136 yards and two scores on just 15 plays, that's an average of 9.1 per play, Wisconsin limited Wake Forest only 5.5 yards per play and two scores on its last 12 full drives. One of those scores coming with just about 10 seconds remaining in the game. Part of that comes from tightening up defensively on third down. As I mentioned, Wake had a lot of easy completions early. They started 4 for 4, and then they finished the game 7 for 16, including 1 for 4 on fourth down. Badgers also read Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman like a book uh, from film study. Good big credit here to Jim Leonard and the players. They picked up on tendencies and delivered interceptions on those four consecutive drives. That really changed the course of the game. And they started with outside linebacker Noah Burks, who said he audibled the coverage prior to the snap so he could cover the flat a little bit easier than Sanborn could. And he ended up intercepting a screen pass that looked like it was intended right for him. Now, instead of Wake retaking that lead at that point, Burke returned the ball into Wisconsin, uh, into Wake Forest territory to the 32, and fullback Mason Saki scored two plays later. And the next three interceptions, they looked eerily similar. I mentioned the film today. Wisconsin diagnosed that Hartman liked to throw a quick hook route against zones to their top receiver, Jakari Robinson, who had three touchdowns in this game, uh, especially on those short yard situations, uh, like third and short, fourth and short, or medium. And the Badgers made the nickel corner 
forced Robinson inside and started dropping a safety into that throwing window, and the plan worked perfectly. Uh, Scott Nelson, the safety, jumped around on fourth and four. Then he returned to the two. Garrett Groshek scored two plays later. Sanborn grabbed his pick on first and ten of the next drive. Uh, safety Colin Wilder followed with a swipe that was nearly identical to Nelson's pick. He got tackled at the three by the quarterback and tail, uh, tailback Jalen Berger playing his first uh, game since uh, the Indiana game. He scored uh, on the second play of that drive, made 42-21, and then Hartman was benched. Now, through eight games, Wake Forest had only turned the ball over three times with Hartman having thrown just one interception in 236 pass attempts, and Wisconsin picked him off four times and 37 passes before his day was done in the fourth quarter. Trivia question for you. The Badgers have now had four interceptions in four different bowl games in their 32 bowl appearances. Can you name them? I'll tell you the answer to that after we hear from defensive MVP Jack Sanborn, who spoke to the media about his group registering uh, registering those four picks and him uh, finishing with a team-high 10 tackles and two tackles for loss. Yeah, Jack, you guys have talked about how difficult this year has been with all the cancellations and everything. Today, you're down 14-zip early. Can you put into perspective what it was like to have to battle to get to this point and then in your last game have to battle from such an early hole against a quality offense? Yeah, I think we put ourselves in a bad situation there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just speaking on the season, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've been – it's been adversity and handling adversity since – before the season actually even started, and then it got canceled, then it came back. So, I mean, it's something that just throughout the year we've all had to learn, just bounce back, just keep on pushing. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, we got ourselves in a really bad position down there, 14 nothing. but, you know, no, everyone was calm. You know, I was calm on the sideline. Everyone was calm. And we all understood, hey, one play. I mean, one play just puts this game to a one-score game, and then there's a ton of football to play. I mean, there it was – I think we're down 14 nothing. what, like six minutes into the first or something like that. So, I mean, there's a ton of football to play. We all knew that. And, uh, you know, a ton of guys stepped up today. Jack, you guys on defense have talked in the past about feeding off each other and one play kind of leading to another. That seemed to be the, the case the second half. Every time they got around the 50, somebody would jump up and make a play. Did, what was the sideline like after some of those interceptions just because you guys seemed to be, you know, jumping on the opportunity one after another? Yeah, it was kind of funny. I mean, it, it, like you said, it kind of felt like one just led to the other. And, you know, uh, you know, after, I think, three picks, we were all saying, hey, Colin, you got to get one. And then Colin went and got one. So, I mean, you know, but that's credit to everyone on the team, all the coaches. I mean, uh, Wake Forest, they were doing a great job early in the game, but, you know, they were running a lot of the same concepts over and over again. And uh, so, you know, credit to the film study of the players, the coaches, and really uh, helping us out and really giving – us the opportunity to go out there and make the play with where we should look, where our eyes should be. And, you know, guys stepped up and made those plays. Uh, Colin and Scott just got to get in the end zone next time, but it went well. Jack, you guys talked the past couple weeks about wanting to play in a bowl game if given the chance. How validating was today to get this opportunity and to come out and finish it off the way you did? I mean, it it was great. Uh, Like you said, I mean, for for some guys – uh, this is their last game playing in the red and white and uh, go out like this, which I thought, I mean, the second half was just a true team effort. I mean, just special teams, offense, defense, everyone just feeding off of each other. And uh, to go out like this and really finish like this throughout the year that it's been so far, I think speaks a lot to this team and I'm really happy for this team.
Wake Forest coach Dave Clawson, uh, he, he mentioned that, that Sam Hartman might have been telegraphing his passes. Did you guys kind of pick up on that, something with his eyes? Yeah, I mean, just throughout the game, we noticed uh, same similar concepts coming up over and over again in the passing game. And, yeah, I mean, we kind of knew where he wanted to throw the ball, and uh, especially in that low hook zone where Colin and Scotty got those picks. We knew that was coming on third down, and guys did a great job breaking on the ball. And, yeah, I mean, he was making throws, though, early in the game especially, and uh, making good throws and uh, staying in that pocket. Uh, but, yeah, I think we got to tell on where exactly they wanted to go with the ball, and guys made plays. For you guys, what was it like to see? Defensively, it was the same thing with the offense. So many different guys stepping up. You mentioned everyone was calm. You knew to take a play, but so many guys stepping up and adding to all those plays that led to you guys mounting this big comeback and just dominating them once you guys you know ran away with it in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I just think it speaks to the preparation, not only this week, but also just improving on the year. And guys, I mean, this season, you know, we've been hit with the injury bug a little bit, and uh, that's been forcing guys to step in in a bigger role than what they originally thought they might be at the start of the season. But, you know, I'm I'm proud of everyone on this team and how they came out and just competed the, competed their asses off and just wanted to get better and wanted to improve this team. And, yeah, it showed today. I mean, guys just making plays everywhere. It seemed on offense, defense, special teams even. So, uh, And every play was needed. Every play was crucial. Yeah, Jack, we talked about the interceptions. There was one that started at Noah Burks. You, you had pinned them down at their one on a punt. They punch it, they're all the way down to your 28. Can you take us through what you saw on that play and how important that play was? Because I think it was 21-21 at the time. Uh, on that, on his interception? Yes. I mean, yeah, uh, we were all la we were laughing. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were driving down the field. Let's just start off with that. I mean, they were driving down the field, uh, putting a little drive together. And, uh, yeah, we were just playing a little cover three. And, uh, you know, that was originally at the start, that was supposed to be my guy, uh, the guy going out on the wheel. And Noah just made a quick adjustment, just said one thing to me and uh, to kind of change that because he thought he had a better angle. And, uh, and yeah, I don't think the quarterback saw him at all because he just floated it up there. And uh, great play by him. I mean, you see it everywhere. Guys are making plays everywhere. And, you know, credit to Noah because, I mean, he really started that whole I – mean, he flipped the momentum right there with that one play. And then it, from there, I think it just took off. Jack, you guys inside, outside of that one play where they rolled over the bodies or whatever for the, the bigger run game, overall just did really well against the run. When you are facing something kind of unique like that with that offensive line going slow and the backs being really patient, how did you guys kind of handle that in the front seven to slow that down? Yeah, I mean, I thought we had a good game plan. You know, we knew it was coming all week. And, you know, credit to a lot of the guys and the coaching staff. I mean, the whole game we were making adjustments. I mean, changing things, changing plays. Uh, you know, Kind of, a, kind of frequently too, and uh, just talking everything out, and just you know knowing that we had to get better. And uh, so credit to everyone, uh, the coaching staff, all the players. You know, uh, they did their jobs, and we all did our jobs, and uh, it worked out in the end. That was Jack Sanborn, and if you said that in addition to the 2020 Mayo Bowl, the Badgers had four interceptions in the 2018 Pinstripe Bowl against Miami, the 1996 Copper Bowl against Utah, and the 1995 Hall of Fame Bowl against Duke then you win a piece of the Mayo Bowl trophy. Now, as much as they tried, Wisconsin's defense couldn't do everything alone. The Badgers' special teams made a lot of unforced errors, not in the snapping game, though, with Mr. Adam Bay. But there was the opening kickoff out of bounds, there was a delay of game penalty, some bad punts, and some poorly fielded ones. 
But receiver Devin Chandler had a career-best 59-yard kick return after Wake Forest took a 21-14 lead. He hustled his way down to the 33. He kind of tiptoed down the sidelines, and UW scored five plays later and kept the momentum on their sideline through the rest of the game. Now, as important as it was for the special teams to head the year and the year on a positive note, the Badgers' depleted offense has to feel good that it was able to take advantage of prime field position. Now, get this. Wisconsin again did not have starting senior wide receivers Danny Davis or Kendrick Pryor. Those two missed a combined nine games to end their frustrating campaign. Nine out of 14 games those two missed. Uh, you look at the offense also not having Nakia Watson, their starting tailback, or left tackle Cole Van Lannan for the second straight game. Starting right guard Logan Bruston playing this game, so Wisconsin had to really MacGyver this line. Michael Fertney started at right guard. Uh, uh, Tyler Beach, who's played really well down the stretch here, uh, at right tackle. Uh, Cormac Sampson at center. John Dietzen was at uh, left tackle. And then Josh Seltzner was at left guard. And Dietzen did play the whole game. Uh, Paul Chris said after the game that he went as long as he could. Dietzen, he's referring to. And then yielded to Logan Brown, their five-star recruit out of Michigan. So this was really a stripped-down unit. And to their credit, despite some early struggles, Wisconsin rushed for a male bowl record five rushing touchdowns and went six for six inside the 20 with all six going for touchdowns. That's a good ending for an area of the field that the Badgers really struggled in down the stretch of the season when they lost those three consecutive games. Now, there's no secret that Graham Mertz is the future of Wisconsin offensively, at least here for the near future, and his first year as a starting quarterback didn't go as planned after that sterling performance against Illinois in the season opener. But something still must be said with how Mertz battled after getting the win knocked out of him in the third quarter and some misfires throughout the game to finish 11 for 17 for 130 yards and three touchdowns responsible for during game offensive MVP honors. Now, Mertz called his own number in the second and third quarter with a one-yard quarterback sneak, his first two rushing touchdowns of his career. And that touchdown pass from Mertz to Stocky for 18 yards, that was his uh, 14 yards, that was his first touchdown pass in 18 quarters that turned out to be the eventual game winner. Here is Mertz talking to us about the game, about his group's performance, and his mindset heading into the offseason. Graham, how satisfying is it for you personally to bounce back the way you did today from what's been a, a pretty tough season? And how do you build on this individually for next season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's big time whenever you can end the season with a win and especially a bowl win. And uh, I think that it just goes to show how this I'm, I'm so proud of how this team responded. And uh, this year we pretty much got pretty much got hit with everything from every different angle. So um, personally, there's a bunch of stuff I can build on. And I grew as a leader, grew as a teammate, and then obviously grew in the mental game and then on the field, just truly knowing how to play and uh, going out there and executing. So um, definitely there's there's a ton of stuff that I've learned from the season, literally every day of practice. And uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff to come, which I'm excited about. Your reaction after the game was over, I mean, you ran over and celebrated with your teammates. I think there are a lot of people on the outside that weren't all that – um, excited about this game, really? Uh, you looked excited from from the get go. Is that I know that's part of kind of who you are, but um, was this just kind of one more um, game to kind of put a capper on the season in your mind? Yeah, I mean, people can say whatever they want. I mean, it just goes to show the history of Wisconsin football. And obviously, it's not like it's not a national championship, but it's it's a bowl game and it's it's a way to end as a champion. And um, I, I think the guys accepted that and truly had that edge going out there that, you know, we, we can't control the past, but we can truly control that we're, we're going to win and we're going to dominate this game. And um, 
I'm proud of the guys for that response. What were you thinking when it was 14-zip, and how important were the contributions from your special teams today and the defense, especially the turnovers? Yeah, I mean, 14-0, that's uh, obviously not a good spot to be in. But there's one thing you can control, and that's your attitude, and that's how you lead. And um, for me, it was, it was trying to just rally the troops and be like, all right, let's just, let's just get a first down. And then, and then from that point, just start building on that. And, um, but it, offensively, I think we did, we did a great job of executing today. And then special teams, geez, Devin, <laughs> uh, that, that was big time. And then obviously defense. So definitely it was a great team win. And uh, in all three phases, I think we, we played really, really good ball today, which is it's a great way to end the season, great way to go in the offseason. And we mentioned, Devin, obviously, you know, has that big kick return, then you guys get him the ball in that reverse, uh, kick off another scoring drive. Just What have you seen from him throughout the year, earning some more reps and kind of getting uh, a little bit acclimated to playing college football? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is you could say that about a bunch of guys and just the young guys we got going in this year and truly how they, they went from, all right, like, I made it to college football, and now it's like, all right, I'm producing in college football. And I think Devin, Devin he's done a great job of truly – Taking that on and being like, all right, I'm I'm, I'm playing college ball now. Like I'm I'm gonna attack it. And uh, but I could say it about a bunch of guys. And it's it's truly as a team. I think we grew a ton throughout this year. And just all the adversity we hit, all this, all the stuff that we were just learning from. So uh, it, a lot of good stuff to come. You took a shot late in the first half. It, it reading your lips, it looked like you said your ribs. Um, is that what got hurt? And and you know they kept you out of series. I don't know how. If you thought your day might have been over at any point, yeah, I mean, just got the wind knocked out of me. <laughs> but uh, obviously, after last week, and I had a little concussion, just uh, just trying to take some precautions to make sure I was all right before they threw me back in there. So uh, I appreciate the training staff for that, making sure making sure I was good to go. <laughs> the offensive line had to deal with some guys in and out today, shuffling different guys in. Just what do you think of their performance with so many guys? coming in and out of the game, and then maybe not the most experienced guys like Logan or Fernie getting in there. That's Wisconsin O-Lineman, man. <laughs> they're, they're, they're always ready to play. But um, obviously it's great to get some good, some good young guys in there and playing and um, truly just that, that game experience. But super proud of how the O-Line came out and dominated today and uh, truly set the tone. And that, that's what we were talking about before the game. Like, let's just go out there and set the tone and, and show them what Wisconsin ball is about. And um, obviously it's – had had a couple of people mixed around, but um, I'm, I'm so proud of them. Love those guys, and uh, they mean the world to me. Now, before we get to Adam Bay, I'm sure you've seen the viral video of what happened in Wisconsin's victorious locker room. But as we were waiting to talk to the players over Zoom, pictures started circling on social media that someone or something in the locker room had broken the top of the Mayo Bowl trophy, which was not made out of mayonnaise. It was made out of Waterford crystal, by the way because it was sitting in a pile of broken shards on the floor. Uh, Chris talked to us first. He would said he wasn't under oath, and he wouldn't comment. Sanborn came next. He said he wasn't in the locker room when the alleged fumble took place. Uh, Noah Burks also came in. He declined to go into it. Scott Nelson declined to go into it. And eventually we found out through video proof that Mertz was dancing with the trophy with other players when the glass top of the trophy slipped off. And shared on the floor. Now, to his credit, Mertz copped to the fumble and guaranteed it'll be the last trophy he ever drops. Thank goodness he didn't say it'll be the last last trophy he ever touches. But it was a fitting end to 2020. Credit to UW, though. I think maybe Mertz did this. He taped a bottle of Duke's mayonnaise 
with red athletic tape to the base of the broken trophy. Now that's something that should probably that should go in the in the UW's trophy wall room, I think, to uh, allure potential recruits to University of Wisconsin. Hopefully next year they'll break the Rose Bowl trophy and just put some fake roses on top. Be nice to see Wisconsin win one of those for the first time in two decades. A couple of notes here: even with Jalen Berger returning to the lineup. Senior Garrett Groshek ran for a team-high 41 yards on 13 carries, including a one-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, senior Jack Dunn caught six passes for 60 yards. That's the seventh most receptions in UW's bowl history. And junior tight end Jake Ferguson hauled in one pass for 21 yards and has now caught at least one pass in each of his 41-34 career games. That's the nation's fourth longest active streak and the longest streak by a tight end in Wisconsin school history, all three of those players have yet to confirm their playing intentions for fall of 2021. Wisconsin improved to 5-1 and one bowl games under Paul Chris, 17-15 all-time in bowl games, and have won six of their last seven. More important, the Badgers finished the season 4-3. and three. That gives them a winning record for the 19th consecutive season. Those 19 straight winning seasons is the third longest streak among FBS teams, so cheers to those players who survived the most bizarre season of our lifetimes to see things through, to win a Mayo Bowl trophy, to retain Paul Bunyan's axe, and have a little bit of momentum entering next season. Our guest this week is one of the many Wisconsin seniors who ended their career with a championship in the Mayo Bowl. He got a small piece of that Waterford Crystal Trophy. He also had a big piece of the success of Wisconsin special teams this year. I'm talking about long snapper Adam Bay joined the podcast. Adam, congratulations on a on a successful career and, and especially surviving a really bizarre 2020. That had to be a fun way for you guys on Wednesday to, to kind of finish your, your season. I mean, you uh, win a bowl game and you do it in a way where you face some adversity early and then you really kind of rode your defense and even somewhat the special teams to the finish line. How much fun was that bowl win for you guys? Well, the game was so fun. I mean, it was really a team effort. I mean, you really just saw that from the second half. I mean, even from the start of the game, they were all in it. You know, you know, like you said, it's a little adversity in the beginning, but that's not something that we've seen before. So, I mean, we handled it well, and it was just a really fun way to end the year. You know, finishing as a team, you know, you felt the energy. It just felt like Wisconsin football. It's hard from the outside looking in to really know what you guys go through or went through, I should say, on a weekly basis. We know, obviously, of the canceled games and the publicity that that caused and how it just kind of affected every program. I'm curious about the emotional toll this year that it took on you and your teammates. How tough was it to really kind of battle the waves of emotion, even dating back to August, when you think you're going to have a 10-game season and then it quickly gets canceled? How tough was it for you guys just to handle things emotionally from start to finish this year? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, every day was a new day, you know, and that's that's kind of how I saw it. That's kind of how I felt like the attitude was. You know, every day, day by day, we're going to get better when we have a chance. And you know what? There's things that are out of our control, you know, and that's just something that we have to accept, but we got to move past that. I think we did a great, great job of that as a team, you know. And, you know, some guys, you know, got sick. Some guys were injured, you know. But, I mean, it was a great team effort, just, like, through the whole season, you know. When we were reported back in July from quarantine and everything, it was different, you know, shorter, you know, shorter startups. You know, it was, it was just a weird season. So, it, it was just, it was the toll mentally was there. But, you know, by the end of the year, you know, I'm glad. I think everyone's glad that we ended the way we did, you know, and we pushed through the year the way we did. 
We heard about the case numbers rising the days that followed that big Illinois win and continued for a week that caused the Nebraska game to get canceled and then the Purdue game. What was it like for you and your teammates dealing with something so unknown with COVID and something that has been deadly for a lot of people? Just like you said, just take it day by day. But there had to be a somewhat of a level of concern when this when the when I think Graham got. Graham was one of the first people to test it positive, then Chase, and then it just kept spreading. Just what was that like to try to to deal with something that you really had no control over? Yeah, for sure. And what, like you said, you know, it was something we, just, we had no control over. We just didn't know who, how you get it, who's going to get it next. You know, it was just, you know, it was it, it was just honestly it's like like it, I, I hate the fits, but just like I said, every day is a new day, and you know that came with ups and downs. You know. And, Especially in 2020, I mean, everyone's seen the downs with 2020, you know. So, you know, it was difficult, you know, getting the calls, you know, saying that we can't go to facilities, we can't practice, you know. But you saw guys working out on their own. You saw guys going to Banfield, you know, working out there. You know, we had specialists who went there and kicked and snapped, you know, follow protocols as, as we could, you know. And, you know, it was just really keeping that edge, keeping that, that razor-sharp focus to see the bigger picture, see the finish line like it was two days ago, you know, to see that bigger picture and to kind of use that as motivation to feel the move past this year, you know. How did you survive personally with, with your health and all the new protocols that were put in place this season, you know, the daily testing, the not being able to have any social gatherings, which are typical of college kids, to, to go out and celebrate wins and to, you know, to, to interact with your um, with your classmates and, and kids around campus and just having to kind of hunker down in place, having to work out at home and not having, you know, the typical practice schedule. How, how did you survive? For sure, yeah, you know, like, you know, personally, I survived, you know, I live alone, and my two dogs, yeah, I love them to death, you know, they tell, you know, every day was just waking up, you know, following protocols, make sure you're wearing the mask, get to the stadium, take your test, do what you need to do there, and for me, it was just going home and being disciplined, you know, whether it's going to the store, or even if it's creating a small bubble of people that you trust, you know, it's trusting them and trusting that they're going to look after you, and it's, it's a big, it's like a big family-oriented thing, you know, and so it just takes a lot of discipline. It took a lot of discipline from everyone on the team. You know, it took a lot of accountability for the older guys to make sure the younger guys were straight and vice versa. I mean, it was a team effort just to try to stay as healthy as we could to try to maintain this. And Bay here of the University of Wisconsin Long Snapper joined us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Al, I want to ask you about your season individually. I mean, head coach Paul Chris refused to talk about your success this year because he didn't want to jinx you. But to be frank, I can't remember a single bad snap of yours through four years. Now, one, is there something that I'm missing that, that you think wasn't that great of a snap? And two, how would you grade out your season in which um, it, it seemed like, for the most part, the execution in the kicking game, at least from 35 yards and in, was pretty flawless? Yeah, and, you know, from my season standpoint, you know, there's of course there's snaps I wish I could have back and blocks I wish I could have back, you know, but that's just the game of football, you know. But I mean overall the season I mean I felt like I came out with a shorter season especially. You know, I feel like I did the best I could, you know. And I really felt like I put it out there. Especially towards the end of the season once I started hitting my stride um, around Northwestern. Um I, you know, it, it was just, it was a great year, you know, it was fun. It was a fun year, but that's what also made it good for me, you know, it made me relax. Not focused on the snap, but just having fun with the guys one last time, one last ride. That's what really helped me push through it. You know, and the guys, too, you know, like Marsh. Marsh did a great job this year stepping up and 
really embracing the challenges of last year and kind of embracing the adversity that we saw over social media and stuff about Wisconsin special teams and all that, you know. You know, he did a great job of coming back and training and kicking, you know, and working with me and, and Connor slipping with the holding, you know, the new operation. You know, it was a great year, you know. It was a great offseason. Despite the quarantine, I mean, we, we were at the band field working out every day. Um, Andy Rujinovich, you know, he came in and he, he killed it right off the bat, you know, and even Connor slipping stuff up in some sky situations in the season, you know. I mean, I can't really complain from a special standpoint, and they're going to they're going to do way better next year, too. They're only going to step up and keep improving, keep going. It did feel like that the punting game took a big step forward this year, and Colin doesn't have the biggest leg, but certainly you look at where he was in some big kicks this year, and he delivered for you guys. He delivered in the Minnesota game especially, uh, which was, I think, a huge emotional lift uh, for this team. I think that helped carry you guys through into the bowl game. Uh, you mentioned that um, that that the operation was a little bit different. Can you expand upon that? What did you guys maybe do a little bit differently this year compared to last year to maybe help certain aspects of the special teams uh, improve? You know, and, and that's the thing, too, you know, and, you know, coming in as a senior, you know, with me and Josh Bernhagen and the only seniors on the roster, you know, we kind of made our point to kind of just take it up a notch from last year, you know, kind of be a different unit than we've been known as in years past, you know, step up the ranks in the punting game, you know, get our percentages up on field goal-wise and just, you know, from a snapping standpoint, just helping out those guys as best as we can. Getting the snaps on the head, getting the snaps right out of the spot for the places. You know, and it was really just the finer details, making sure that we were there, getting our reps in, you know, every day, keeping each other accountable, making sure that we set up specific times to stretch and recover. It just, we just made it more of a disciplinary type of trust, and we just, we just wanted to be more of a team. And that's what we, I think that's what made us better this year. You know, it, it's rare for Wisconsin to give scholarships to, to long snappers out of high school. I've been covering them for 15 years, and you're the first one I can remember. And so there's obviously a lot of pressure on you to, when you get that coveted number of, of just 85 scholarships, that you need to go out and perform. And to your credit, I think you, you played, I don't think you missed a game. I think you played 48 games over four years. That was tied with Eric Burrell, uh, the safety for the most. Um, did you ever feel pressure to achieve that when you committed, to not just... Um, just to be out there every day and to do your job to kind of back up the coach's decision to give you a scholarship? Of course. Yeah, and, you know, the thing is, too, you know, coming into Wisconsin at such a young age to step up right away as a freshman, you know, with, you know, senior company like Jonathan Taylor and Kay Miles and Jack Cohn and Madison Cohn, you know, seeing all those guys, you know, and being a part of that group that played right away. It's just, you know, it's just it's one of the things that you're not doing it for yourself at that point. Like you said, you're doing it for the team. You don't want to just do it for yourself because that's when you start. We start thinking selfishly as a snapper, in my opinion. That's when that's when things go south. And for me, um, yeah, I mean, just coming in, it was just getting the job done. You know, getting better each day. You know, especially with being a pro style system, blocking was so tough for me coming in my freshman year. With the speed of the game, the size of the athletes, you know. But you know, I'm I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the adversity that I faced that freshman year, kind of learning it learning how the Big Ten plays, you know, how big of a conference that is, you know. It, it was just, it, it was every day was a learning process. And, you know, every day it was just being better than the day before, whether that was just by one snap or by 100, you know. So that was really my mentality going into it. 
the NCAA kind of made this big uh, sweeping decision that every senior um, would be able to come back next year. Really, everyone would get a free year of eligibility. Uh, you're deciding to pursue a professional career. Um, what, what kind of factors led you to making that uh, decision? I know you told me before we started that you're going to graduate in the spring, so you're going to have your degree. Uh, did you just feel that you had kind of checked all the boxes in college that you, that you wanted to and that you wanted to, to challenge yourself at a, at a new level? Exactly, it, you know, and and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm not there yet. Obviously, there's still so much work to be done. There's so much physical aspects of myself that I want to fix. There's so many aspects of my snapping game I want to fix, my blocking game. But that's that's the fun about it. That's the joy in it. You know, it's the struggle of getting better each day. It's the inner it's the inner self drive, and you know, I really truly believe in myself. And I won't I won't stray away from that. I won't hide from it. Yeah, I think I have a shot. So I got to go out there and prove it. I got to go out there every day and work for it. So that's what I'm at for it. You know, NFL rosters are much more condensed than college rosters. Um, you know, what areas will you need to expand your arsenal to make your profile more attractive to the 32 NFL teams? What, what have you kind of focused in on on things that I need to do well so I'm snapping on Sundays? You know, and for me, that's, that's the question. You know, I always kind of face with this. And you know, to be honest. There's control, you know, there's things about my game that I can't control, like my height and my weight, you know. I'm a 5'11 snapper, six foot on a good day, you know, but I'm under, I'm undersized height-wise, but you know what, I'll make up for it in, my, in how I play, how I snap, how I block, and how I run. And with that being said, like, too, I, I, I also feel like my cover game could be a little bit better, you know. And going back to what I said, being in a pro style system set me up with such success with blocking and nuts. Really, what you see at the next level is learning how to block, and been doing that for four years. Really, feel like I'm at an advantage. But with that, I need to improve my cover game. I need to improve my physical, like my physique. You know, so for me, it's really physique and making sure I'm a good cover guy. Kind of just being the best well-rounded snapper that I could be. And last one for you. What's the main thing you take away from your four years here? Uh, certainly, you guys. You got to play in a Rose Bowl last year. You won a Big Ten, a couple of Big Ten West championships. You didn't quite get to the promised land of the of the college football playoff, but and certainly this was year was a weird year. Uh, but there's a lot of wins to take away. What do you take away from the last four years in terms of on the field success? On the field success, you know, it, it was really the fun of it. It was the aspect of just having fun and the memories of that on the field success. You know. It's the celebrating after the win. The it's the going out with your friends after the game. It's 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 times like the like the mail bowl where you drop the trophy and you <laughs> laugh about it. You know, it's it's things like that that really make the on the field playing time worth it. You know, that's those are the memorable parts. I mean, honestly, when I go on that field and I snap, I can't even tell you really what what happened that play. You know, I kind of just go on the autopilot, just kind of just let my body and like what I just trust what I do and go out there. You know, but. You know, at the end of the day, it's looking back on it. It's just the success of the team, you know, and I'm just grateful to be a part of it and to be a help to the team, you know. And that's really been my biggest blessing with this whole process, is being with such a great program that they care about their players. You know, the coaches are consistent. You know, it's just, it's just I couldn't have picked a better school, and that's why I'm thankful for it this whole, this whole opportunity. Well, just look at it this way. If you would have picked a different school, you wouldn't have a small piece of male bowl Waterford crystal that you may carry with you for all time and put on your mantle and tell your grandkids about. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. That's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's the stories you make here in college that you carry on the rest of your life. And I was fortunate to have such a great chapter and great 
piece of history of Wisconsin football and to end it like we did, no, that's just, that, that's honestly one of the best moments. MBA of the University of Wisconsin, now maybe of a future NFL team of your future favorite NFL team. You never know. And congratulations on a great career. Best of luck on this next NFL journey for you, and we look forward to, to seeing you on Sundays. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. That was Adam Bay, one of the true nice guys on that Wisconsin football team and somebody who will be missed next season on that special teams unit. In addition to Bay, Cole Van Lannen, quarterback Jack Cohn, uh, Stocky, defensive end Isaiah Laudermilk, and safety Eric Burrell have said they won't be back in 2021 to pursue a professional career or a, uh, a college opportunity elsewhere in the case of Cohn. And other seniors mold their decision whether to take advantage of a free eligibility year from the NCAA. Uh, one player whose decision may have caught some by surprise is running back Nakia Watson, who BadgerBlitz.com confirmed Friday has entered the NCAA transfer portal. The redshirt sophomore began the season as a starting running back and played five games this past fall. He rushed 19 times in the opener against Illinois. But really, a lack of explosiveness and inability to take advantage of running lanes caused uh, Watson to lose playing time to both Jalen Berger and Garrett Groshek as the season progressed. Watson didn't play in either of UW's final two games against Minnesota and Wake Forest. He was ruled out pregame, not a coach's decision, we believe. Finished 191 yards, rushing yards and three touchdowns, and his career, 522 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Wisconsin won't technically be hurting without Watson in terms of depth. There's going to be Berger. He'll return in the spring, along with Isaac Garendo, who missed most of the season with a hamstring injury, and retro freshman Julius Davis, who didn't play very much this past season. Also kind of weigh on the decision of what Garrett Groshek will do. He says he is... Uh, hasn't decided one way or the other when we talked to him before the bowl game. And in, in December, the Badgers signed three projected tailbacks and Antoine Roberts, Jackson Acker, and Loyal Crawford to the program too. So it'll be interesting to see where those three players will fit in. And also, the Badgers are also uh, reportedly a favorite to land UFC transfer Marquise Steep. Uh, the redshirt sophomore ran for 340 yards on 55 carries with three touchdowns for the Trojans. And I must say that I'm a little surprised uh, with Watson, his lack of success at Wisconsin. He was he finished his three-year varsity career at Westlake High School in Texas with 3,700 rushing yards and 51 touchdowns. He had the look of someone who would really thrive in, in Madison. And you know we thought Wisconsin had found a diamond in the rough, but I guess it was a sign that Watson's only Power 5 offer coming out of Westlake was Wisconsin. Didn't really get a lot of looks from many schools in Texas. I think his next best offer outside Wisconsin was SMU. But... Three, two, one. If there's one thing we learned at Wisconsin is that the Badgers usually have one or two good running backs coming up rather quickly. So I guess maybe Watson saw the writing on the wall that with Berger's emergence this year, he would probably be playing second fiddle over the course of the remainder of his career. So uh, Nikita Watson moves on, and we move on to Wisconsin hoops. Uh, we talked last week uh, to enjoy that Michigan State win because you don't know in the Big Ten kind of how long – uh, you're going to be on top of the mountain. And Wisconsin got kind of punched in the mouth a little bit on Monday. They lost to Maryland, a game they should have won, a game they played uh, really poor on both ends of the court. There was no energy from Wisconsin's bench or really the players. They came out flat. Wisconsin still had a eight-point lead in the second half, but were unable to build upon it. They just didn't lack any flow offensively. They didn't attack the post in the game, uh, they let Maryland crush them in the post. They were outscored like 38-20 in the lane and just just didn't look uh, fully engaged. Uh, didn't know if it was a Christmas hangover for them, if they were looking ahead to Minnesota. But 
it was a wake-up call for Wisconsin, and the Badgers surely responded when they played on New Year's Eve. They throttled Minnesota, uh, led by as many as 26 points, uh, won the game uh, by double digits. And it's encouraging to see Wisconsin bounce back in that way, and they bounce back by tapping into their fundamentals. They do what they do best, and that is establish the post, uh, their first handful of possessions were all inside touches to Micah Potter and Nate Reavers that in turn opened up the outside game a little bit. And then once Wisconsin got moving in the second half, uh, Minnesota just had no answer uh, for Wisconsin on really either end of the floor. Uh, the 71-59 final, uh, Minnesota was held to 31% shooting. They had 10 turnovers. They only had 18 points in the paint. Uh, they throttled Michigan State their last game out with 50 rebounds. Wisconsin held them to just 39. 5 for 15 on layups was Minnesota in the game. They are one of the faster-paced teams. They like to have a lot of possessions. They had, I think, 75 against Michigan State. Wisconsin held them to 63 and less than a point per possession. Demetri Trice did a tremendous job on Marcus Carr. Carr, one of the best point guards in the Big Ten, if not the country, just 10 points on 3 of 13 shooting. He scored half of those points in the last two and a half minutes when the game was virtually over. Uh, you look at Micah Potter, 18 points, 11 rebounds. Trice, uh, not just his defense on Carr, but he was 6'11 shooting with 14 points. Aline Ford had a big second half to finish with 14 points. Johnny Davis had some tremendous plays on both ends of the court, especially defending Carr. He picked his pocket, then delivered a one-handed flush on the other end. Wisconsin shot 65% in the second half, 50% for the game. This was the bounce-back game that Wisconsin needed, and you would hope that Wisconsin does